0: welcome to the heroes of reality podcast a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience let's jump in with our host dylan watkins as he introduces today's guest
1: do you want to know what it's like to do coaching inside of the metaverse what about do you struggle with ADHD or focus challenges? Well, on today's podcast, I have Nathan Sudd. He is a coach and consultant that helps busy entrepreneurs and professionals with ADHD and focus challenges. He more recently spends most of his days inside the metaverse, leading virtual reality co-working events. And without any delay, I'd like to welcome Nathan. Yo, hey, Dylan.
0: Hey, <laughs> good to see you. Good to, good see to be too, with too, brother.
1: You. Yeah, man, uh, great to connect. I think that I think the last time. I saw you. I was about two feet tall, looking over the top of a virtual table, trying to jump up and wave at you. Go, yo, bro! I'm over here. <laughs>
0: but, yes, uh, you were a little shorter. You were a little shorter and uh, definitely more animated. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty. It's pretty great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's great. It's great to connect with you, dude. Um, and I know, uh, a, you know, a bit of your background uh, is as a coach and as a consultant. I know more recently. Um, you've gotten a lot into virtual reality and the metaverse, and you have a deep passion mm. for that. I'd like to kind of just kick things off with understanding, you know, what about, you know, got you interested into virtual reality and the metaverse and really kind of jumping into this with both feet?
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. the <clears throat> The metaverse to me was sort of like a concept for quite a while. I mean, this idea of VR even was really interesting, but I just, didn't quite see the connection. Cause I'm not really a gamer. Um, you know, wasn't great at games. So that's part of the reason why I'm not a gamer. It's just like, I, uh, I'm the mash, the buttons kind of person. Right. So, but what I, what I really got uh, interested in, in VR was when it became smaller and compact and I could, you know, I didn't need a computer to do that and I could jump in and I started to see the social connection part of it. The, the way that I could actually reach across like 12,000 kilometers. My sister, for example, and my mom and, and, all, and all these people are in other countries and I'm traveling full time as a digital nomad. And I'm like, I could be sitting across the table or on the couch next to people that I really care about or meeting people or connecting with people from around the world in this way that's just so unique. And if you never experienced it yet, you don't really understand how present you really feel with other people. And that, that just really blew me away. And so I started exploring, you know, that, that for that reason, that's what got me into it. And now, yeah, it just exploded my mind in this idea of like what what's possible in the metaverse. Um, actually as a digital, digital nomad too, I tend to make a lot of connections and friends and then bye, see you later, I'm off to the next country. And then I don't have that, that network or that connection anymore. And the metaverse is so different. Like I'm in Canada right now. I was in Thailand for the last three years. I brought all my friends with me when I put the headset on here in Canada, I'm sitting at the table with the same people that I was sitting at the table with when I was in Thailand, but I don't, so I don't lose that connection. I think there's something really powerful about being in the same place as someone or being present with them. That video like this doesn't really provide. You know? Totally agree. And I mean, I think you bring up an issue, a digital
1: nomad, right? For some people mm-hmm. that don't really know that term and understand it and really, can you kind of speak a little bit more of like, what do you mean when you say digital nomad?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, It's kind of an interesting term. You know, sometimes I like it, sometimes I hate it because it, you know, it it comes with a lot of stereotypes and everything like that. But essentially, I travel full time for the last 10 years across different countries, few months at a time, depending on, you know, where I am in the world. You know, I'm I'm landing in Asia. I I spent a lot of time in Thailand during the pandemic because of this. I, I happened to be in Thailand right when it happened and stayed the whole time. But over the last 10 years, I've been in um, like Vietnam, Thailand, Indonesia, you know, over into uh, Turkey, uh, um, Bulgaria, Romania, Greece. Like so every few months I was always moving. And so as a digital nomad, basically I can just work online so I can be anywhere. And that was maybe like 10, 12 years ago. I think it was 12 years ago. We realized that this was possible because we were just sitting at home working in Canada and going, if we were from home, like home could be anywhere. And it was a lot of people uh, that inspired us. Uh, other people, Chris Gillibo is a good example, who wrote the uh, the book a hundred Dollar startup. he uh, He was one of the people that kind of piqued my interest on this because he he told stories in his blog about like running uh, jogging on a runway in in some country I'd never heard of and and these kinds of things that that sparked my interest, but it was really my wife that wanted to travel. And so once we got going, digital nomad life became our life. And so we have one backpack each and we just pick up and go whenever we want to wherever, wherever we're going. So.
1: That's awesome, man. And Mm -hmm. how do you make, how do you make your decisions on what countries you're going to go to? And
0: what what does that look like? (laughs) It is for us, it's really random. I don't know if other people plan it more specifically, but um, there's been decisions to go somewhere based on the weather in a, in a recent uh, news article, like, Taiwan popped up on our radar again uh, um, when we were traveling, and there was—I uh, think it was like a hurricane there or something. I think that tropical storm of some sort. And we're like, oh yeah, we really wanted to go to Taiwan. Although, like, why would you decide to do that based on uh you know weather weather like a storm like that? But it was just like random. But a lot of times it's just like how we feel in the moment—one of us or the other. Or um, you know, we had friends we met in Thailand who were living in Romania, back living in Romania. And so we decided to kind of make our way to Romania to spend time with them. And so there's yeah. really no, there's really no rhyme or reason. It just depends on how we feel in the moment and where we go. Have you seen like, has traveling around as a digital
1: nomad, has it shaped your mindset, your perspective? Like, how do you think you, if there was two paths and Nathan stayed at Canada the whole time and other Nathan went off and traveled <laughs> around the world, how do you, what do you think has been the fundamental mindset shifts by, by traveling around to so many different countries?
0: Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, so many different ways, I guess I could answer that. But, you know, I think every country that we've been to, um, my wife, Sharice, and I we often say, like, each one changes us in a different way, because you know, we learn something new about ourselves or about about the world. And so each one of those things kind of changes the past. So I don't even know what, you know, that Nathan who stayed back in Canada would be doing right now or what that, that what that would look like but I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade the one that I have now. Like I wouldn't trade what I have now for that because I've, my mind has been open so much in a lot of things like just the first time landing in Thailand, you know, uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. And like after the first couple of days, I was like, I could live here. And I see so much of what, you know, I love about life in all the different countries. And so it reminds me like to take this, you know, take this differently. I, I, if I, if I brought back one thing from all that experience that I really feel, you know is is powerful is like what's normal right like you land in a country where like you're you're come from place and a lot of people if you've only lived one place your whole life you know it's kind of very particular like what i have what we eat for breakfast this is what is breakfast you know and this is what is this and, and like you can just a simple example i mean you land in a country where breakfast looks completely different and um you know you you're locked into you don't realize how locked into thinking you are until you until you start to go okay you know, this is, you know, your brain has to kind of adjust and go, Oh, you know, th- this is different. And, um, the book, uh, um, anti-fragile by uh, Nassim, Nassim Taleb is a good example too. It's like by landing in different places and having to get and go, get up and go and like learn new things all the time, you know, you're creating, creating an anti-fragile sort of experience where really like, I feel like almost any country in the world, I could land and within a couple of days feel comfortable. I mean, there's, there's some exceptions to where I would probably have a lot more learning curve than others, but, that's what has taught me from, from, you know, landing in Thailand to going to landing in Malaysia or going to Malaysian part of Borneo, like every country land in, there's something unique and different about it, but there's all a lot of similarities, you know, like mm. you, you, you kind of, you find your local market, you meet, you know, you make your connections, you know where to, you know where to go. And it's a, it's an amazing feeling to know that there's like now people, a lot of people feel like, Oh, you don't, you know, you don't have no home. I'm like, no, I have like, Many homes because I could land in is I know right now I could land in Izmir, Turkey, and I could, find like I I'd have friends there already. I have my local corner market that I love. You know I had the there's there's shops. I know where to play basketball. Like I have a home there. You know I haven't been there for quite a while now, but I still feel like it, when I land there, there's going to be so many familiar things. So it's 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 not like I lost anything. I gained you know a lot more you know uh, homes you know.
1: That's beautiful. So you, it kind of expanded what was possible in your reality, and then you mm-hmm. realize, that kind of, in terms of like like fragility of a situation, is the fact that you're not gonna. If you go into a new country, a new place, it's not like, oh, I'm scared, I'm alone, I'm afraid, I don't know what mm-hmm. to do. You can get, you can you can kind of get in and get settled in, you know. Yeah. Pretty yep. pretty well. Have you ever had any close calls, uh, whether with a uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, government? Uh, life or death or anything else that comes to mind as you, cause I imagine on these adventures, I'm sure it's not all sunshine sure. and rainbows.
0: No, I think that's, that's a, that's a great point too. Like it, it's, you know, sometimes people, you know, on Instagram, you just see all the amazing things. You don't see all the challenges, but um, you know, even on the worst day traveling and um, you know, as a, as a nomad, like it's really quite good. I mean, we run through some tro- trouble, <clears throat> troubles, struggles and things just mix those two words together somehow um but when i was in even when i was in thailand i actually hosted a support group in the in the park there for because what i was what i was noticing is a lot of people you're in paradise but you're still you know you're still struggling with the same things you struggle with and uh there's a there's a great book called wherever you go there you are by um john cabot zen and it's like the whole idea is like you know, you you can't, you can go somewhere, but you can't get away from yourself. You know, you, so you have to sit with yourself and be present with yourself. So I think traveling doesn't solve all your problems. You still have to deal with all the same things. So we, we've had some close calls where like, you know, someone's trying to scam us or something, or, you know, you, you, I'm sure on the motorbike, I've probably had more close calls than I even realized because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I love driving the motorbike and, you know, for me, I mean, for the last 10 years, I've been riding it all over Asia and and mostly Asia and yeah, like, I mean, it's an amazing experience. You got to be careful, but you don't even know what things you, you know, you might have almost, you know, had happened. Cause you don't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know, but, um, yeah, we've been in, we've been in some pretty stormy places like in the uh, Philippines when there was a, uh, there's like, they call it something different there typhoon. I think they were referring to it as, and, and there's a ferry and we needed to get on that ferry, but there's a typhoon that day. And so what I noticed is the, the, the Filipino people, they're just sitting outside waiting to see if the ferry is going to go. Whereas everyone else would be like, if we heard that news back here in Canada, we'd be like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Filipino people are just like, well, okay, another typhoon. Let's just wait and see if the ferry is going to run or not. You know, it's like, it's, it's so different. Like even, in, even where we're in Taiwan, like, or um, a good example is like, there's a, a a few years back there was a, a protest in Bangkok and all the farmers were at the, You know, we're up there and, and you know, like very upset about the situation with, you know, I think it was something to do with the rice um, market and and a bunch of different things they felt was not going well. And everyone's calling me, are you okay? Are you okay? Because like, it looked scary, uh, but you don't, you don't have any context. Like Thai farmers, if they're out in the farm right now, they put a mask on where you only see their eyes and their mouth, like, because they're trying to stay out of the sun and not get, you know, not get too, um, too much sun on them. And so when you see a whole bunch of farmers like with the mask on, you think, oh, my God, this is scary. But really, that's just the way they do it every day in the sun. I mean, not that there weren't some incidences, but a lot of times that's what we see on the news. We see all the scary stuff on the news. And I'm like in the country enjoying life and people are calling me like, are you okay?" And we're like, what? Everything's fine over here. You know, like and that's kind of like the media thing, too. You see a lot is like media focus so much on the negative stuff that you you only hear that. Um, and so we're in our bubble and we just hear bad news from everywhere else. And a lot of times I feel safer over there than I do, you know, back in, in North America sometimes because of the way, the way things are. So um, my my parents, my, my mom, my mom came to Thailand and we were walking on the streets at 11 o'clock at night. And my, my stepdad said, you know, I wouldn't be out walking around 11 o'clock at night on the streets in, in my, in our cities in, in Canada, but here I am feeling totally safe walking around Chiang Mai, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and speaking of that, uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier um, because, as as life would happen, um, I'm currently <laughs> in Chiang Mai with my wife, and uh, yes. we came out we came out here because uh, you know a, a friend of mine um, he decided to come out here to write a book for about a month, and I was like, mm. oh that sounds like fun. And then I was talking with you earlier about it. I was like, Oh, I think, I think Nathan's in Thailand. And I was like, and then we went, we went to Chiang Mai. So that's yep. where we're currently at, hence why my background's different and all this, all this fun stuff than I, than I normally do. Yeah. And, you know, I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea what we we're getting into. Mm-hmm. We bought the tickets like a couple of weeks beforehand, just to say, YOLO, go for it. And I was, I was like, is it going to be safe? Is what's going to happen? Yep. Are there going to be people in the streets? Are people going to mug me and take me? And, Sure. Some of the nicest, friendliest, and and uh, yep. and also that what's interesting too is that that uh, economical arbitrage of being able to say yes. uh, the most delicious
0: soup for like a dollar, you know, and it's just incredible. don't remind me right now. No, <laughs> I'm on the other side of the world in Canada right now. We like swap places. I'm in North America, and now you're over there. Okay. When when we first started talking, you're I was over there, and you're here. So yeah. I know, man. It's incredible, but it, it really did expand my mind on what's possible and
1: what and you know yep. what's here. And you you realize that there's these uh, so many times when you stay in the same place, it's very hard to separate. Oh, what did you do in May or what did you do in June or what do you? And but if you yep. if you're in the same spot and you're doing the same things, it all kind of blurs together. But sure. when you come here, it's, it's I can tell this is gonna be burned in my brain. It's like, oh, what what did you do this month of this year? It's like, oh, I was in Chiang Mai, yeah. Thailand. Right, and yep. that's and that's what's amazing is like I feel like I feel like my experiential consciousness get expanded uh, because of this. But with uh, well, the great thing is because I know you and because we've connected, I was hitting you up. I was like, "Yo, bro, uh, what a good food, <laughs> places to visit, things to do, not to do." Like, yes. you know, because it's it's, it's yep. cool to go. It's cool to go by yourself, but it's really nice when someone has trailblazed the path
0: for you along the way. Agreed, you know? agreed. Yeah, you know, there's a good mix. Like it's fun to go out and explore on your own, but it's always nice to have some quality and recommendations so that you're yeah. you're not spending all your time finding the bad ones, you know? Like it's so I, I've I've lived in Chiang Mai not every year, but, but at least a little while, almost, almost every year in the last 10 years for a few months at a time, there was a few, there's a couple of years where we were over in uh, Europe. And so we didn't come all the way back for the, for some time in the winter, but most, most years we spent some time in Thailand and I've explored a lot of Chiang Mai. And so I love when people go visit there and I can say, here's some recommendations, you know, like you went, I told, told you about Janie scoop, which is like actually a recommendation from a friend of mine, and now I'm passing it on to you because a friend of mine who loves ice cream is like, you got to go to this place. So I go to this place and now it's, you know, I'm telling everybody else about it. But that's the that's the beauty of it. I mean, some people that used that traveled before the Internet. I mean, they 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 they're like, oh, it's, you know, the, this exploration and not, you know, not knowing anything and figuring out. I agree with that, too. Like, I think there's some I don't know if you've seen the book Vagabonding, but I, I highly recommend it. Uh, Ralph Rolf Potts, I think the name the name of the author is. Um, he talks about the the value of just wandering like just going out and taking a left taking a right and just seeing what's out there as opposed to like having a destination where you're trying to go to so there's I think there's both like it's like finding places that you want to go to and try it experiment and then there's also this idea of just like walking randomly or in my case I love the scooter and just like taking the scooter and rather than just going A to B just like turn left turn right and get lost somewhere you know and I think you know, Ralph talks about that, too, like getting lost. Uh, there's such a cool value of getting lost in a place, even the place, you know, like like when I'm back in Canada now, I tr- I, I, I act differently here. Like I'm like exploring Canada as if it's a new place that I've never been before, I'm exploring my hometown as if it's a place I've never been before. And it, that's a really mm-hmm. interesting perspective. Like you definitely see your home country, especially if you spent many years away so differently when you come back because you you see all the nuances that you couldn't see because you're just so used to it. And you've and you've um something you said earlier, like when you get away from what you know, uh there's so much opportunity to be a different version of yourself, right? Because no one how much of our experience is like sort of like boxed in by what everybody else thinks of us, like, oh, he's that guy that does this, or 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 oh, you know, like you've you've got this like container that you kind of have to stay within because that's who you're you are. But when you go there, you nobody knows you. So you can, you know, if like if you've never done yoga and you're like you're you know, somebody like your boys are going to bug you cause you're going to yoga. Who cares? Nobody's seeing you go do it. I also think you should say who cares even at home, but like, I'm just saying like things that normally you would be stuck in this box about, you can go experiment and try. And, um, like even my, even my driving from being in, in other countries has changed so much because I'm such a Canadian driver, like, Oh, or even just like crossing the road and things like that. Like, so like, Oh, you, you know, letting people in like, no, no, you go, you go. And like, in Asia, you don't want to, you can't do that because one, you throw everybody else off because they're expecting the flow of traffic to go a certain way. And if you like stop to let someone in, it throws everybody else behind you off. And also you, you might be sitting there waiting for a long time because you're letting everybody go. Cause there's no window, the, the, the social construct and the, and the, the, the whole formula is like broken when you don't follow what's happening in the current space. So like in, in Vietnam is another example, like crossing the road in Vietnam, Essentially, you just have to walk and not look at anyone and they go around you. But if you make eye contact, then you're screwed because you're like, OK, do I go or do you go or whatever? But and so as a Canadian, I'm like looking to see if I should go or not. And in yeah. and, and Vietnamese people, they just they just walk across and everybody goes around them, you know, like and you, you kind of have so, to understand these things. You know,
1: That's a lot of faith, man. What's interesting about <laughs> that, what you're talking about is it's weird that we have to go. To places to find ourselves it's interesting that mm. there's so many things that we're so concerned like being these tribal monkey creatures that what are people going to think about me what is my family mm-hmm. what are my friends i have to act a certain way i have to be a certain way i have to do sure. a certain thing right and then you and and it's yep. funny because like you have this this person like you're this a like person and you got this like sure. social layer on top of you right but then you, yeah. you go to you go to other places like thailand or vietnam or wherever the places you're going yep. and you get, you get to try on these things like a coat like a new outfit yeah. Put it on, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna kind of take this. I'm gonna try and take the the Vietnamese walking across the street thing or whatever." Which I think, <laughs> yeah. which I think is way too much in my mind. Way too much faith in humanity of just <laughs> trusting, just trusting yeah. that they're gonna they're gonna dodge, dip, dive, and dodge me. So yeah, for, for me, it's like what I like about that is you're talking about that by going to these different places, you get to have this piece of because we are social. We are we True. are the people around us. but It's funny mm-hmm. that like we don't ever get a chance like i feel now for some people that don't ever get a chance to go to try out some of these other outfits i feel like they're yeah like it's it's like permanently it's like having that 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 sweater of yours duct taped on you that you could never take
0: off yeah 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 it's like it's like maybe a little bit like um and i'm not an expert on this stuff so don't mm -hmm. quote me on this but like you know when, when you have a plant and it's in a certain size pot like it can't grow any differently, any bigger. But if, yeah. as soon as you transplant it into a bigger space, then it becomes, you know, so different. It grows bigger and it has more opportunity yeah. or potential. And I think that's kind of what we don't realize though, a lot of times is we um, we're accepting those boundaries and those, those restrictions um, subconsciously. Um, the, there's a book by um, Don Miguel Ruiz called uh, called uh, the four, uh, four agreements. And yeah. he talks a lot about how we're making agreements all the time. And we don't know it when we're kids, like uh, parents are saying, Hey, you know, uh, good boy, bad boy, you know, good girl, you know, whatever, like when you're doing stuff and you're, you're, you're calculating in your head. Okay. When I do this, I get in trouble. When I do this, I don't get, in you know, and so you start, you start making agreements. Like I'm never going to do that again because I got, you know, whatever it is. And so you, you're, you're kind of like your whole world is being mapped out for you by other people. And you make those agreements and you don't realize you're restricting yourself until you get away from that and you go, Oh, wait a second, did I did I make that agreement? Did I mean to make yeah. that agreement? So you have to you kind of have to bring those unconscious agreements to the to the surface where you recognize you're a conscious decision now. What am I gonna do about that? You know, and that I think being in different contexts really forces you to deal with your stuff because you're like, Oh, like I didn't know I had that subconscious thing that said you know, this is right. And that, you know, this is wrong. And then, okay. And so you're kind of like processing it. And, and, um, you know, about that there's, too, there's you so know. many other dynamics there, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you, if you look at that too, is, um, it's not only true with you, you have the other subconscious agreements that you do with yourself mm-hmm. and with the people in the world around you, if you know, mm-hmm. uh, your subconscious agreement is, and there's these predictions, right? Yeah. Uh, you hold the door open for somebody or you, um, you're willing, you know, mm-hmm. you take out the trash or whatever, what these agreements are, and you have them, and you have these self judgments, and you have these judgments about other people. And some people may not even have or know or aware of these agreements that you're having, but you're, but you're, but you're taking your own yeah. model and putting on people. And what, another thing about it, I think is really interesting too is that people there's all these hidden permission slips. Right. And if you think about this, like, oh, mm-hmm. um, some people, they have to sage a house. Somebody has to um, they've got to like dance in a circle. Some people have to, you know, uh, if I'm if I'm going to go to Vegas, I immediately have to start to gamble, whatever. Is. But they have these <laughs> different things mm-hmm. that like permission slips and, mm-hmm. and you know, everyone's mm-hmm. always giving themselves permission slips in different forms. And, and, and it might just be yep. the fact that, you know, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I had a friend who smoked cigarettes all day long. Um, but what mm-hmm. he'd always have, he always have a salad before every meal. And I was like, wait a second, those don't balance each other out, man. But in his mind, it's yeah. just permission I'm having a salad yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's the it's
0: it's, interesting. it's the story, right? Like the yeah. you know, when we talk about the hero's, hero's journey, there's um mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a Joseph Campbell has this this saying, like, you know, if it's all made up, why not make up the most helpful story to yourself? Um, I, I believe it's him that says this. And um, a lot of times we don't recognize that the story that we're telling ourselves is the thing that's limiting us, right? Like, like that's, that's the thing that's limiting us. I, I deal with my coaching work with people. Uh, What I see a lot of times is people like myself that are neurodiverse or, you know, creative people who have a very different way of doing things. They're often trying to follow the, the quote unquote right way to do things. And what they're doing is trying to fit themselves into somebody else's program. Like, Okay, you got to get up at 5 a.m. and do this, and you got then you gotta do that, and you gotta do this, or even just like not accepting yourself, right? Is is part of this whole problem. Is it's like, okay, I have to accept who I am and how I operate and what I do. Otherwise, I'm just gonna keep fighting against myself. And and, and that's a lot of the work I do when I'm coaching, which is a lot of the stuff I see um, while traveling in my own self. Like it's I'm working on myself while I'm and I'm noticing it. It's like, okay. Uh, a lot of my coaching clients who have ADHD, they know that they can get the thing done at the last minute when the adrenaline kicks in and, and you know, all the, all the, all, all cylinders are firing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, let's do this. And they get the whole thing done in like an hour or something that they've been stressed about for like three weeks. And every day, you know, they're, they're dealing with this situation where like on the back of their mind is like, I need to do that project. I really should do that project. And like Tony Robbins might, you know, I think it's him that quote that, that um, coined the phrase like shoulding all over yourself, right? It's like, you yeah. should, should, I should do this, you should do that. And all of a sudden you got all this should on you and you can't really function. And, um, to the point where someone might go, I'm not going to go to the gym and work on my other goal because I feel irresponsible because I haven't gotten this work done. And so then the health suffers, your mental health suffers. And then, and then like at the last minute, you get the thing done anyways. And so, coming back to your your com- comment about the permission slip, yeah, I oftentimes am giving people permission to say, forget about all that until the last day, if that's how it has to be. But don't stress yourself every day before that because you know in the back of your mind you're gonna get it done at the last minute anyways. And mm. so they go, they go, ah, oh, that feels so good. And I'm like, how am I giving you permission for that? Like, I don't have any authority to give you that permission. But but what I'm what I'm helping people do is realize like it's okay to have your own process, you know, and, and trust your own process, you know, and, and it's hard for people with ADHD to trust our process because we're, we're always precise throughout the whole life that we're not doing it the way the teacher thinks we should do it, or parents think we should do it. Or, you know, anyone like, because just, we, we have a different mindset. Like our mind works differently, you know, and a lot of creative people struggle with the same thing. Even if you don't have ADHD or know you have ADHD, there's a lot of undiagnosed ADHD, even though, especially in women, even though people, you know, say ADHD is being overdiagnosed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think maybe sometimes it is overdiagnosed in in young kids because people are just like wanting them to sit still all the time and, you know, wanting them to go, go to uh, an impractical thing. Like, Hey, you're, you know, like you're a kid and now we're going to put you in a room for like the whole day and just sit you in a chair. Like most kids are not going to be able to handle that very well. Mm -hmm. We should have other programs for kids. But when we get to adult, you know, we get to be an adult, and you're still struggling with the same kind of things. It makes sense to sort of think, hey, you know, maybe there's something mm-hmm. different about my brain, neuro, neurodiversity, and so. And a how love you define, are this idea? How, let's, 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 let's chime into this a little bit. I have, I have a couple thoughts
1: and questions around this one. But looking at sure. neuro, how would you define neurodiversity? ADHD? How would people know about that? If people are, sure. you know, I've, I've I've heard I heard the terminology before, but how would you mm-hmm. how would you define it, and, and how could someone no, okay. I'm I'm on this, or I'm not.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I'll I'll start with this this thought that's um, uh, Sebastian Marshall from Ultra Working uh, mentioned to me one time is like in the future, uh, at some point, we probably won't have these labels like ADHD as much. They're helpful right now, but in the future, we'll probably understand uh, neurodiversity more like DNA, where it's like we'll see markers for different different. Uh, Patterns and and things about the way the brain works, but but right now we're categorizing because we can generalize a little bit. Like people who have these characteristics tend to you know operate like this or show up like this, and then we can find helpful things for those people. And so neurodiversity is sort of like a wider term because ADHD is not the only sort of neurodiversity, and there's there's a a big spectrum of you know, things that people kind of fit in that category from, you know, being autistic and, and um, you know, Asperger's and um, ADHD, you know, it's kind of, there's a, there's a lot of different neurodiversity in in general OCD. Like it's just, it's more about like acknowledging that the brain is not like every brain, every person's brain is not the same. And I think that's a really like a valid point. And Mm -hmm. most people, if you just embrace the fact that your brain might not be exactly the same as everyone else's brain, then you can start to accept yourself and say, okay, I need to work within the context of what I know about myself. And sometimes I talk to clients about the idea of like, well, you know, if you got a device without a how-to manual and then you had to operate it, you know, you're fumbling around trying to figure things out. Uh, um, so you, you're, you're inside that situation right now. Like we got this, this, uh, device, you know, this body that we're in, and we're trying to operate it and there's no manual. And so we're having to figure that out. And so it's good to document it. Like, what do I learn about myself? M- make a note about that. Try to try to lock in what you're learning. Like, okay, getting up in the morning, you know, doesn't work well for me. Why am I going to keep putting myself through that thing? That's an example from my own life. My, my wife and I are like, we're not booking flights before 2 p.m. You know, unless it's absolutely necessary, like saving $50 to wake up at, 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. to go to get to a flight or something like that. Not worth it. Rather just go at 2 p.m. and pay the extra fifty dollars. And so you like making trade-offs is a part about how you feel, right? And so it's like mm. acknowledging your brain, acknowledging that you struggle with certain things. Like I work, I work best late at night. That's that's usually my best time to work. So rather than be frustrated with myself that I can't work in the morning, I just restructure my life so that I can stay up late and do my work and not be negatively impacted. You know, if I need if I know I need a certain amount of sleep, but I also don't, but I also like to stay up late. Okay. Then don't take a job that requires me to get up at five in the morning, you know, to get to work and, and, and then just be burning the candle all the time or be dealing with it all the time. And so, um, yeah, maybe, maybe this is like a good opportunity to say one of the things that, that, um, Sharice and I have really focused on for the last um, probably 10 years is this idea of, designing your life you know where you're like where you're actually looking and say design a life that demands what you want to give so if you know if your life isn't working for you right now it's like okay how can I start to design a life that does work for me and that that starts with self-acceptance right it's like okay I have to accept that these things aren't working for me and then I have to say okay what would work for me and how do I get into a place where that is the case and you know one day I said to Sharice, like oh if I could get paid to talk that would be much better because I'm not good at I'm not great at deliverables like you know if, creating documents and sending them and things like that. That's not my thing. But if I can get on a phone call and talk to someone and that's where I make money, that would be helpful. Right. That would be great for me. And then I was like, okay, well, how do we make that happen? Like, how do we do these kinds of things? And so, just kind of moving into those spaces, so I could keep going mm. on this topic. So I'll stop. Well, for I think a it's great. There. No,
1: it's great, and no, I think it's I think it's awesome. And looking at one of these pieces here, you're talking about this. Is uh, we'll start with the ADHD. Uh, in terms of that, how do people know if that's something that they struggle with? How do they know? How do you put that on the radar and say, okay, because I know you're talking. About all brains are different, yep. right? You know, we have. Yeah. But what what are some signs to show you? Because you say you should primarily help people in that type of area, neurodivergent people that sure. have ADHD. Yep. Right. So how do people know that? So, oh, they you know this is some 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 signs that you might have it.
0: Right. I mean, there are, there are tests online. You can actually go, you know, talk to your doctor about these kind of things, but maybe we can start in a little bit different direction. There's a quiz called the, the four tendencies quiz that can be really helpful, not to tell you if you have ADHD, but tell you the way that you, um, the way that you like to work. Um, mm. um, R- Gretchen Rubin um, has these four tendencies and the two that I'll talk about the most with my coaching clients are the rebel and the um, obliger. And so, this could be a helpful tool for anybody not even knowing how your brain works in the sense of like do i have this neurodiversity but like what's my operational sort of method and i have a client who's a rebel and like if i tell him what to do immediately he doesn't want to do it because he's been told to do it and so you have to if you know that's how you are then you can start to work with that and by telling you know first of all like with me he, he came to his coach and said i'm a rebel don't tell me what to do, but help me find what to do for myself. And I already, that's, that's my main focus anyways, but some coaches will like tell somebody what to do. And I do, I do that sometimes too. So the fact that he knew that about himself was really helpful. So now we start designing things that will help for that. And then if you're an obliger um, you're more likely, and this is a, this is a, to me obliger is a good uh, red flag that you might have ADHD because uh, obliger is more like if somebody else needs something done, you know you're going to get it done somehow by the you know it might be at the last minute but you're going to get it done. But if you set a deadline for yourself, for say like Friday at 5 p.m., and then you don't even think about that deadline until the next Friday, and you're like, oh man, a whole week went by and I didn't even do that thing that I set a deadline for. It's because you you, you don't have that internal accountability. It's like an external accountability. Somebody else wants it. It's going to get done. If I want it. Uh, not, not necessarily going to happen. And you might want it really bad. And this is the thing that's really frustrating for people with ADHD. You might care about something a lot and it still doesn't get done. And for, for people who are neurotypical, that doesn't make any sense. Like it's, and, and it, it's really difficult in relationships because like, uh, like for example, you know, my wife, if, if she asked me to do something and I don't do it um, and I promise to do it and I don't do it, she's going to, she's going to think I don't care about her or the thing that she asked me to do. Reality is I might have sat there stressed about it, you know, remembered it many times, but not when I was in the place to do it. And then just, it just blew past. It's not that I didn't care, but didn't, it didn't get done for certain, certain reasons. It's not, it's not connected to care. And so that, that, that's back to the social construct that we're talking about. Like if you perceive the world as if you care about it, it gets done. And then you're around people who could care about something and not get it done. Then you you're perceiving a different world than that other person is, and so you're having a different you know a different experience of that person than than, than really is true. You know? Yeah, you're also talking
1: about something that's really interesting. I, I I consider this to be like cheat codes for yourself. And mm. if you know yourself yep. really well, you get a cheat codes. And so like for myself, yeah. like the, me and my wife, things like that. It's like hey, if I'm really upset or if I'm really this, you know, we have like little things you, you can write little notes on and go hey uh, when yeah. I'm upset or I'm stressed or whatever. Hey, here's what I, here's what you can do to disarm me here's the here's the manual the cheat code mm-hmm. for hacking my system to get me from a to b right and so yeah. and sometimes if you're you're not a not aware that you get into a certain state someone can help you get you out of that statement you're saying hey i'm a rebel i'm a this i'm a obliger here's my cheat code and you know mm-hmm. how about we both help me work with me to get to where i need to go which i think is i think is great yeah are talking about this and I, I thought it was brilliant and i think i'm gonna call it our podcast because i title all these podcasts whatever based upon the conversation is designing a life that demands what you want to give. And I, and I think, I, that's, like I think what's, what's beautiful about that is the fact that one of the number one facts that I personally believe um, to create uh, uh, what's the most important thing in life, right. Mm-hmm. Is a personally think is, is self-respect. And I think, I think yeah. self-respect is one of the most important things, and, but there's a lot of permission slips around self-respect Right, the permission sure. of like, I need to be loved. I need to be successful. Mm-hmm. I need to be a, a a good husband. I need to be, uh, you know, insert this or I. And and the yep. thing is, sometimes with the people that like they stress out and stuff. They want to get something done, and then they don't get the thing done. They beat themselves up, and then they yep. lose self respect. Right, mm-hmm, and it could be mm-hmm. it, it could be they procrastinate on their fitness or on their mental well being or on their business or insert the thing. Sure, It's like, then how do you, how do you start to gain that self-respect? And it's like, yeah. do you beat yourself up the whole time? Are you going to beat yourself into happiness? You know, or what yeah. does it look really like? And so I like, I like that concept of, 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 understanding the cheat codes for your life and then say, okay, okay, what do I, what do I need to go? But it's, how do you find, here's my question. How do you find that balance? Mm, right? Because yep. the balance of, of doing something that stretches you, Right but Mm -hmm. not doing something that's against who you are natively. Right. So maybe I'm comfortable being at home and watching Netflix all day. Right. But Mm -hmm. I, but, but getting out of the house and going to another country would make me grow. Right. And so that, how do you find that balance between doing something that's outside your comfort zone, but not, Mm -hmm. not doing something that you're uh, uh, something that the life is demanding of you. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, I love this, this, I love this idea of where we're headed here. So the I want to come back to what you said about self-respect. Yeah. So self res- self-respect self um, is 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 really important. Um, and how you get there, you know, I, I feel like a big part of how you get there is self-acceptance and self-compassion, right? There's two components. And the interesting thing about processing this, the balance, the, the idea of balance is that we often don't really understand the idea of the idea of balance. Um, And when you want to try to like, how do you get to these places? How do you deal with this designing your life? It really does take like looking inward and saying, why am I doing what I'm doing? Like for example, being on the couch and watching Netflix, Like that could be a positive thing. Like I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying this. I I enjoy watching Netflix. I'm having a good time. It could also be an avoidance, you know, thing where, Mm. where we're stressed. We have anxiety about something. We're avoiding something we don't want to do. And we're on the, we're on the couch watching Netflix. That's a different experience altogether, right? It's like laying on the couch, wishing I could get up and go do the thing I want to do, but I'm not doing it, you know? And so it's like understanding why I'm doing what I'm doing is really important to getting, getting to the next level or where you want to go. And mm. for me, productivity is really about this idea of self-compassion because um, especially for people like us who are talking about this idea of the struggle, it's like um, having self-compassion says beating myself up is is not helpful. Right. Um, the fire. I, uh, I think I think my, my wife, I think, wrote uh, I don't know the title of the article, but an article about like you're firing your inner critic, basically. And um, I and we talk about the idea of firing the drill sergeant because honestly the drill sergeant is not working for me personally. And I think a lot of people use it because for maybe for neurotypical people, I'm not sure. I still feel like they probably could do away with the drill sergeant too, but like the drill sergeant doesn't work for people who consistently fall into the same problems because all it is is just beating you up over and over again. And how do you get built up to where you have the, uh, the energy and the, and the, the feeling of like moving forward when you're getting beat up all the time, I use this, this kind of silly analogy, but like, if I was moving tomorrow and I wanted your help, like you're the last person I should be kicking, you know, and punching or like, you know, bothering at the moment because you're not going to come help me tomorrow or you're not going to have the energy. I might even hurt you so that you can't do it, you know? And, um, so why do we do that to ourselves? Like the only person who's going to get that work done tomorrow is me. And if I'm just sitting there beating myself up for not getting it done, I'm, I have no energy tomorrow to get the thing done because now I've just spent all the time, you know, making myself feel lower and lesser and, and, and worse. And so it's like the, the idea of a cheat code here again is like short circuiting that somehow finding a way to reframe it, finding a way to really put it in context. Like, why did I do what I did today? Why didn't I get any work done today? Why did I ruminate and spin around the room and not get anything done? Well, you know, I was struggling with whatever, stop, have some compassion, like, you know, on yourself, like, and find a way to, to generate like a motto or something, find some way to kind of connect that thought for yourself. Whenever I'm struggling, like, okay, I slept, you know, I slept too long today. Maybe I needed that. Maybe that's what I needed to be ready for tomorrow. Uh, and people with ADHD, people with um, neurodiversity can, can recognize this a lot, but people with chronic health challenges, you know, um, people who deal with a lot of stress and anxiety, there might be like a really productive day. And then like two days where like nothing, it feels like nothing gets done, right? If you spend those two days just going, oh my God, I'm not getting anything done, blah, blah, blah. How are you going to feel on the third day when you need to try to work again? But if you were like, you know what? This isn't working. Like I'm not getting anything done. I'm going for a walk out on the riverside. And I live right across Detroit, right by the Detroit River here. Go out for a walk, you know, walk around, Go, go have a shower, take a nap, spend some time with friends, play some basketball, you know, do, do some exercise, come back to the work after that, see how it feels. It's going to be totally different. But, but this construct of like irresponsibility causes you to stay at the computer trying to get the thing done when it's not working. And so self-compassion, self-acceptance, you know, self-respect is saying like, you know, I, I matter too. I need to take care of myself in the process. You know, I need to figure out what really works for me. Sitting at the computer longer is not – the thing that's working usually or or whatever it is you're working on is not usually the thing that works. It's like getting away from that, letting your mind open up and then the creativity hits somewhere else. And then you come back and go, okay, I got the solution or I got the energy, or I got the, you know, the time, like I've, I've I've been filled up by the experiences with family or friends or, or whatever. And now I'm ready to do the thing again, but we don't, a lot of times we just tax people, you know, like the healthcare industry is like a, a, a strange oxymoron. Like those people at the hospital, you know, or, or like at the doctors and wherever they're working there, you know, all the time. It feels like, you know, you think about the idea of like how they go to school and everything. How do we expect them to take care of us? And they don't, they can't even take care of themselves because we just put them through too much, you know, uh, work, you know, too, too much work, time schedules and everything. Yeah. So designing your life really leans into that idea of like, not not just designing a life so I can be productive, but designing a life so I can experience all of it, you know, and I can enjoy all of it. And I'm not just like, it, why are, are we here just to work? You know, like, that's not, that's not why we're here. Like, I don't think like, there's much more to life than that. So anyways. yeah.
1: <laughs> well, looking at that is interesting too. What I was imagining when you're talking about this, like sitting at the computer going, I need to work. I'm a, I'm a terrible human for not working. This is a terrible experience. I, why am I doing this? Why? I yeah. always do this to my, I always do this to myself. Right. It's, yes. a it's like, it's like you want to be say productive and imagine it, I imagine it like a doorway right and and you want mm-hmm. to get to this doorway but what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to ram your head <laughs> through the doorway trying to open the door but what you don't understand that yep. the door opens inwards so you have to take a step uh, back create mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. and then you can go through so your your sequence is wrong i like right? that instead of, instead of trying to go through the computer say okay well when, that's what i was thinking about you're talking about oh i'm gonna go play basketball i'm gonna go for a walk i'm gonna create some space maybe i'm right. gonna go you know ask for help from a friend you know i'm gonna yep. go do these types of things and and meet up with these people and and create this type of environment and know what works for you are you someone that works well alone in the dark you know for <laughs> you someone that that works like there's uh back in the day when that's a part of the startup uh startup uh incubator uh there's a guy who came in and taught about there's two types of people there's rats mm-hmm. and there's cactuses right uh okay. rats like like cactuses are people that they don't need a lot they, you can just tell them what to do they'll go off in the corner you you they don't need a lot of water they'll just they'll just get, be by themselves and they'll just do their thing mm. rats are in the muck on top of each other on top of everything and they but they're two different styles right and you got to figure out what right. works back if you, if you take a bunch of you put a cactus around a bunch of these rats they're just like oh get away from me right and then they ca- yeah. you take a rat you put them by itself it just it doesn't work and i know it sounds derogatory but it's it's more of just it's no i get just, what you're saying What's your play style, right? And understanding sure. if you have this goal that that beating yourself up along the way is not the way to it's not the way to get there. It's about it's understanding those operations and creating space. So I like the yeah. idea. And so for you, and I want to kind of bring it back on some of the things that I, I know about you in terms of uh, you uh, fell in love with virtual reality and mm-hmm. uh, called the metaverse or whatever taboo terms you want to talk about sure. is <laughs> and and now you do uh, online co-working events inside of various types of uh, metaverses virtual reality platforms and things like that and hosting those things. uh can you talk to me about um what do you do about it what stands about you what about you and the life you want to create is causing you to really step into this uh, virtual reality social environments and really Mm -hmm. do
0: this you know it's 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 so interesting the segue and how the conversation is going right to where we need to be like the the thing you were just talking about connects to this so so well how you work your work style and what makes you feel good about the work you're doing like one of the the reasons why i got into virtual co-working not even virtual reality co-working but just virtual co-working like on video <clears throat> before covid uh, before the pandemic i actually was uh, co-working with a platform called ultra working and, um, Sebastian Marshall, I mentioned earlier, he, he, um, created this platform where basically you can go in and work with other people and they were doing like four hour blocks of time. And so like every Thursday for four hours, I would join this group and, <clears throat> and they had a little bit of structure where they, where you have like a 30 minute block where you're working a break, a break where you talk about how things are going and you fill out this little um, Google sheet they have. And then the facilitator gets you back on for another 30 minutes working and then another break. And so that structure is really helpful for me also being around other productive people is helpful for me. And so that's, that was my real introduction to coworking. I'm not a, I, I work from home a lot of times, like I'm not a coworking space person, although I do like going there from time to time, I'd rather hit a cafe most of the time than, than, you know, go to a coworking space just because like, you know, you eat the food and you sit and work and, and you know, you don't, coworking spaces are more like you're coworking, but there's not great food that usually there's not great other stuff, you know? Yeah. So anyways, The the idea of of this for me is like, I am so much more productive when I go to a different environment, sometimes like uh, sitting in a cafe or working with other people. And the virtual world allows me to bring that to me. I can be sitting in my own desk at home. I don't have to go out. I don't have to spend money on food. And I can connect with other people. And so we started doing this on Zoom and and other tools like uh, ultra working. And uh, for a few years, I worked for a startup called Focusmate that was uh, that basically pairs people up one on one to do uh, uh, to do co-working sessions, which is again another thing about style. Like, do you like being around a bunch of people, or you you prefer to kind of have a small group, one on one partnering? But it's so hard sometimes to organize um, that. Like, you might say to someone, "Hey, do you have time? You want to get together and let's do let's work together?" And someone's like, "Oh, what's your schedule look like? What's my?" And it's so hard to do. So focus may. And these co-working um, setups, like and rooms, really make that more viable because you can—it's already happening. You just join; you don't have to organize it. And I got doing that on Zoom myself, um, and I, I actually do some stuff with a with a group called Community Co-working, and um, we have a Facebook group, and we we do 24 hours on Friday where we just get in Zoom and, and different hosts from around the world host it. And so for me, an extension of that was just going into virtual reality. As soon as I saw virtual reality, I was like oh we could co-work in here and the in the in the platforms that exist now uh workrooms and immersed um these two these two uh applications for the oculus quest which i have right here um Ooh. <laughs> the yeah the 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 quest uh this is the quest 2 and i have the quest pro coming on uh on tuesday yo so, so um, do I. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes yeah. so
0: we're going to go off topic there, but for those that don't yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. The, the, the Quest, the Quest too is a virtual reality headset. I actually I yeah. have a fan added here because Thailand That's was nice. so hot, I could, could blow the, the hot air out of the headset. But when you put this on, like if you've never put a headset, a, a virtual reality headset on, it's hard to explain um, exactly the feeling. But there was a contractor at my house the other day, and uh, he was kept looking at, Is that one of those virtual reality things? And I'm like, Yeah. So I put it on him, and he started cursing right away. He's like, Holy. Oh my God is because it it just it's that expanding your universe kind of thing that you were talking about earlier You put the headset on I could be sitting in my house, but suddenly I'm in, you know, a a big uh, like a cave home With like beautiful lighting and and like all these cool little features I and um, now they've actually added functionality to bring your computer in so I can actually be inside the headset and have three virtual screens up in front of me, even though I have one one small laptop. And as a nomad, that's like a game changer because I that was the saddest thing for me when I started traveling as a nomad. It's like I used to have two big twenty seven inch monitors and I'm side by side, and now I have this thirteen inch little <laughs> laptop, and I'm always working on that. Well, now I can yeah. have that. I can have three big virtual screens in front of me. And so, what we do in the co-working space is we go in there with our computers and the headset, and we sit next to each other. So. And again, if you've never experienced virtual reality, it's hard to explain this, but like, just like when I'm sitting here and someone's sitting next to me at the desk, it feels exactly like that in virtual reality. Like I, I can high five that person. Um, we, and then we get started and we say, okay, what are you working on today? Okay, oh, great. Okay, good luck with that. This is what I'm working on. Okay, let's mute for like the next 50 minutes and then we'll work together. And then at the end, let's check in and see how everybody's doing. And so, yeah, I've been hosting that with, uh, and yesterday I hosted a meetup with like 16 people in a, on a table in virtual reality, so the table just keeps getting bigger every time somebody joins. And so we had 16 people around this table just talking and working together. And and uh, so these kinds of things really changed my life because one, I love helping people, and so that that really fulfills a lot of things for me. Just like uh, I'm a community builder by nature. Like I never like thought, oh, I'm going to be a community builder. It's just like um, some of the time, basically, what happened was I wanted things that didn't exist, and so I started creating them. And when when I was in uh, when I was in Greece, actually, um, I, I gave a talk at a, a co working space there about this idea of like the thing you want to see in the world. You know, make it. You know, ha- make it happen because that's like so there's probably somebody else out there going, I wish this existed, and you know, they could be they could be joining you. And so I did that. I did these um, co working meetups in in Athens, very similar to the virtual ones where I, I, I basically asked them for the top level of the floor and there's two tables up there and just invited people and said, come out, co-work together and just buy food to support the restaurant. And um, yeah, we had one big table of people that were just working away quietly and another table where people are talking. And again, that was another thing, embracing your style. So these people want to be very quiet and work independently. These people want to be able to chat and talk and work while they're, while they're working. And so, embracing who you are getting those things going and mm. for me facilitating those kind of things is really great and i realize now that I, like i'm a community builder i started like i need a, I want to play basketball frequently do you play basketball by the way if you do i have a great group of guys in chiang mai that you can play with. <laughs> <laughs> not
1: not very well man not very okay, well okay okay okay
0: <laughs> okay. you can't come then because they're too competitive for you <laughs> i'm just joking i'll, I'll,
1: I'll give my thumbs up from a distance man like yeah uh, you go for it yep. guys i'm a I'm a perfect yeah. challenge. I'll, I'll duct tape some uh, phone books onto my feet, you know. So I can... <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm not the best basketball player, but I, I love getting out and running. That's my exercise. So dude, so, but I love, I, so I organize those groups, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love that. And so I want to talk about this a little bit.
1: So recently sure. there was the Meta Connect, right? And so now yes. you've got this MetaQuest Pro headset coming. You have one coming in. I have one coming yep. in. Um, I'm super stoked on the whole topic because one of the things that you can do with it, and I haven't tried it yet, and I was going to get your thoughts on this whole thing, sure. is that the, Meta uh, Facebook, whatever, they partnered up with Microsoft. And so you're going to be mm-hmm. able to have these these MetaQuest pros on, right? And so I'm yep. curious, like, the, if you have, like, a Bluetooth keyboard, right, and a mouse and just the headset, and you're going to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, use, like, Excel and Microsoft and Teams and Zooms right. and, and all that stuff and the workspace and all that jazz – I'm curious mm-hmm. about, being you know, is that going to be, what are your thoughts on Is that going to be effective enough? Will you be able to just take just the headset itself, you know, like, you know, very much like this, and then yeah. go, go into an actual, you know, place, into a coffee shop without a computer, and have sure. multiple monitors set up, and be able to crank away, and do what you're talking about? Do you think that's, what do you, do you think it's going to happen with the MetaQuest Pro, or do you think you're going to still need your laptop?
0: Yeah, the, um... The first, the first version when it comes out, probably not yet, but they yeah. did announce at the, at the Microsoft event, which followed yeah. the Meta Connect event, they did announce that w- they're going to bring windows 11 cloud to the headset as well. So if, oh. like, if you, yeah, so I don't know when that's coming, but that's the yeah. plan. And I think, I think that's the ultimate, like that's the ultimate cheat code. Let's say, you know, like, Damn. like if I can, if I can just, if I could just pick up the headset and I have a mouse and a keyboard and yeah. that's all I need, I don't need the laptop then that would be pretty great. I think that's the, the next level. And, and as the headset gets smaller and smaller, and it's just like next, hopefully it's just like a pair of glasses like this. And then I can just work away and just click something and the screens come up. That's gonna be, I mean, that's gonna be next level. But the first version, like for right now, yeah. I'm okay with using the laptop. What, I, what I'm excited about with the Quest Pro is uh, the, the color, full color pass through. Um, so for those, for those that maybe aren't familiar with this idea, the headset usually in VR, it's like a whole digital world is around you. You are immersed into it, um, but then you actually are disconnected from your world here. You know, so if my wife happens to walk by, I don't know if she's walking by. You know, if she comes and taps me, I might go, oh my god! Like I'm not not expecting that kind of thing to happen to me. Um, yeah. And so with the Quest Pro, uh, I mean, with the Quest uh, Two that I have now, it's black and white when I go into pass through mode. So I can I can in, in an app like Immersed, I can pull up three screens in front of me. They can float over top of a black and white version of my home, but then like it's it, you don't really feel like you're there. You, you you have this very disconnected feeling. But in the Quest Pro, it will I mean it, it'll be full color, so it'll feel like I'm really just sitting in my room. And um, there's a great video by um, Mark Marquise uh, Brownley, who uh, MK MKHB HD. Anyways, uh, if you look up his video, he's got a really good video of this where he takes the camera and goes into the headset and shows what it looks like. But basically you're looking at your room and then you put the headset on, you've got three screens up in front of you and you can work away on it and you're in your home and you're in your room. And I have a friend, uh, artsy who does, um, world building. And Mm. the other day we were hanging out in remorse and I was just sitting here and she was in my mind, she was standing right there in my doorway, but she was, you know, in, in Kentucky somewhere, you know, on, on, on her headset but I was just sitting we we're just sitting talking and it was black and white pass through, but I could see my room and I could see her avatar there and it already felt like she was like hanging out in my house so as soon yeah. that, once that's full color the the lines are blurred between what's reality and what's what's virtual reality when you're in your own home and there, there's so many other things you can do with that you know so What's so great about that is what you're talking about. This is I think this was a great, clever solution for them
1: about how mm-hmm. do you solve the complicated problem of augmented reality. One of the yes. biggest problems with the augmented reality is that they're trying to fit the super powerful headset thing in these little tiny glasses, right? <laughs> but they, we just don't
0: got the tech part
1: yep. right because because
0: not because,
1: yet. Yeah, yeah. because because um, entertainment sold us a fantasy that now technology is trying to live up to right we're trying to get these things to work and it just doesn't work but they said oh well what we'll do instead is we're going to take this this headset and we're going to we're going to have these cameras on the outside and we're going to have this pass through so it basically operates as if you have these these augmented rally glasses on but you really have the power of a vr headset that's just kind of pretending to be an augmented rally pass through and once i heard that i was like "Oh, oh that's brilliant it's brilliant.
0: It's gonna be amazing. It's, yeah,
1: it's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing because you're right. You, what you're talking about this is, it's, you're having this sense of presence. You have the, the, mm-hmm. the beauty of the remoteness, right? Where you can be in a yeah. cop shop but then you have, yeah, you know, work. Bobby, Bobby, Joe pop up in your screen. You can fist bump <laughs> him like That and like, yeah. and I think that's, I think it's so incredible. And so I didn't, yeah. I didn't know about the this, Windows 11 and the cloud thing, but I think, that, I think yeah. it's really
0: cool. Um, There's a really early concept there, VROS, yeah. where yeah. like, um, what I got super excited about. If you if you look on YouTube and look up VROS, you'll find mm-hmm. like somebody's concept of a headset that actually is an operating system for just using the yeah. computer, and they you know pull up all your separate windows on top of everything. Yeah. And when I saw it, it kind of felt like fantasy. And like now, two years later, we're basically beginning to experience it, where where we can have all these floating windows. So like like you said, I mean, even though we're not there yet. We're, yeah. we're quite a ways into the place and it's, and it seems like every day new things are being announced. Like in, in amazingly uh, uh, amazing stuff that we just mind blowing. Like I went from, you know, learning how to type on a keyboard when I was in school thinking like I, what am I going to even need to use a keyboard to like, to now, now having a virtual reality headset on where I can, I can transport yeah. myself anywhere in the world, you know? Yeah. I think not on a typewriter. It's so like, yeah.
1: it, so let me ask you this question. Um, with all of this with the with the technology with the co-working with the community mm-hmm. building with all the things that you're doing what is your holy grail what is your flag in the sand is there a mission or thing you're trying to achieve
0: uh, by bringing all of these things together wow yeah i mean I, I i think it goes back to what we just talked about so you know you're saying you wanted to title this 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 idea of um designing a life that demands what you want to give that's what I want. You know, for me, when I, when I opened up my, my worldview and, and saw things differently, I just wanted to go back and help everyone else, you know, get to that point. Right. And not, not to necessarily say, Oh, travel the world like me or whatever, but like, what is your, what is your dream? Like what's your, what's designing your life it, for you? It might be having a really like having your house exactly how you want it in, in a stationary place with all the right people around you. Like, whatever that is whatever that dream is or, or like designing that and doing it and I think everything that I'm doing you know I think is leaning towards is leaning into that space like I love coaching mm-hmm. people I love consulting to, to make products better to make you know make tools better to you know I did a lot of work on project management tools not because I think you know oh I can't wait to get the best project management tool but what is project management tool what is the project management tool tool unlock for you right it's like if my work is managed better then I can walk away from it and have a life, you know, if it, if it's not managed properly, then it's, then I'm always stressing and dealing with it. Um, it's like David Allen uh, from the getting things done philosophy, his book, you know, his, his whole thing is like, if you have a trusted system, you can get it off your mind because your psyche is a bad place to store these things. Cause it's like, is now the time for that? Is now the time for that. Is now the time for that is now the time, like that's all your brain is doing all the time. But when you take it out and you put in a trusted system, and you, or you have a trusted place to do the thing. Like even for me, like um, having co-working on Tuesday morning. I host, and anybody wants to, they can find me on uh, Facebook or wherever else. I host co-working on Tuesday morning um, from 10 a.m. to three uh, to 1 p.m., and anybody can join. We go on Zoom, and we just this is not the metaverse side, but this is just virtual co-working, and we just sit there and work together. And having that space on Tuesday morning, or having Friday uh, 24 hours on Friday, that I know I can just pop in and, and see some friends and get some work done changes the way I work. It changes the the way I feel about the work I'm doing. And it, it changes those, the way those people feel. And to have a community of people that go, you know, I feel like I can be myself. I can, I can, I feel like I'm making progress on my goals and, and not only in the wins, but in the struggles, you know, like that, that idea that we have a space where we can struggle together and, and not be judged by it, judged for it. And not have this toxic positivity where everything has to always be good, like you said early on, like the rainbow. You know this idea of unicorns and rainbows mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. it is. It's like that's not how it is. So why do we why do we pretend like it's that way? You know, Twitter. I think any space in the in any space that I'm in, I, I love I love going on Twitter. There's some great people there, and they're telling how business really is. They're telling about the real struggles. They're showing their income. They're showing their the churn of uh, their subscribers. You know, all of these. They're just like real people talking about real things. That's what, you know, to me, that's the most important thing. Not, not, you know, I'm not, I, I don't care how many people follow me for the sake of following, but I care if I, if I have something to share that people can benefit their life from. And when I, when I found out I had ADHD at 27, I was like, I wish I knew this earlier because it would have, you know, really helped me. But I also, I'm glad I didn't know because I went on a journey that I probably wouldn't have gone if, if it didn't, but mm-hmm. I definitely want to help. But if I find somebody else and there's somebody recently I started coaching and their 27 just found out they had ADHD. And it was just like this th- just resonated really well. Cause I was like, okay, I know exactly how you're feeling right now. And I and I and now you don't have to learn from square one at 27 like I did. I can bring you what I know and help you on that journey. And so um Chris, I, I mentioned Chris Gillibo earlier. I went to his very, I think it was the very first world domination summit in Portland. And somebody there, I I think it was him, and maybe somebody else was talking about this idea of a legacy project. And so for me. Coaching and these things are are really a legacy project. I don't really care if I make money from them, but I want to leave something in the world that make the world better and make other people's experience better. Mm. And um, so that's to me, like I mentor on a platform called growth mentor for the same reason, because I'm helping people on their journey, you know, and everything, everything I do, I think is just really about that helping other people on their journey, because I know how much of a struggle I've had on my journey. And so if I can, you know, throw the rope down and help someone else, you know, get to where they need to go, even better, you know? So, so yeah. if I, I don't know what my flag is in that whole conversation, but really it just is, this idea of like well, helping other people and, and and bringing other people forward with me, you know? What's
1: interesting is, so from when I heard of it, it was, you know, sounds like the the Holy Grail you talked about, the first thing it said was designing a life that, de- that demands what you want to give and really helping mm-hmm. other people get along the Do same that. path, mm-hmm. right? And and if that's the case, if that is the Holy Grail, what is the dragon? What is the thing that is so <laughs> difficult to overcome for you?
0: Hmm. Oh you know, that's an interesting one. Just being being completely honest, the, the struggle for me is I love helping people so much that to sometimes to my own detriment, like I don't like I've been trying to learn how to receive more recently when someone says, Oh, I'm gonna send, I'm crying now, I'm like getting emotional. But like <clears throat> when someone sends me, when someone says, Hey, I'm going to send you some money. And I'm like, you don't have to do that. You know, I'm like, why? I always, I always tend to be in that state where I'm always like, I just want to give, and I don't want people to misunderstand my intentions that it's like, cause I, and especially in coaching, this is my frustration with the coach, coaching world is that there's so many like these high ticket, you know, sales kind of coaches where it's like, they, they they manipulate people into spending a lot of money to get coaching and they don't necessarily, not, not necessarily good at it. Sometimes they are. And then there's, and then the, like, I feel like, you know, I, I'm not the best coach in the world, but I really do want to help people. And then people perceive me as trying to sell them. Like I literally offer people a, f- a free phone call to connect with me, just like DM them and say like somebody I actually know and they know me and I send them a message and they go, Hey, just so you know, like, I don't, no sales, no sales pitches on this thing. And I'm like, that hurts. It hurts a lot to think that coaches have made that reputation for themselves. And like, so it makes it hard for me sometimes because I don't, I don't want to put like, I don't put myself out there to make money as often as I would, you know, I, I could because I'm, because I'm dealing with that. I, that, that, the, the way people perceive the, that business model. Right. And so yeah. my favorite thing to do is just, get on a call with someone and talk and if it's useful to them and they want more of it, they can, they can come to me and they can pay me for it. If it's not, if it's not used, if it's useful for them and they don't need anything more, we go our separate ways and I'm happy because I've made a difference in their life and I've helped them. And if it's not good for them, if it's not a good fit, they go their own way and we both win because nobody paid me for something they did that wasn't valuable to them. And so, but my struggle there really is like, I, I, I have, I had a bad taste in my mouth from a lot of sales pitchy stuff. Mm. So it's hard for me to make, you know, to, to really put myself on the line and say, okay, this is, you know, this is the kind of money I want to be, you know, I want for this thing. Or even if I don't even ask for money, somebody will come to me and want to give me money. And I somehow find a way to turn it down or like pass it on to somebody else, you know? And so, yeah, if that, yeah. if that's one of my dragons, it's probably there, but it, it works out for me in the long run. Like, I always get opportunities, things happen, but I get emotional about it because it's like um, when you asked about the dragon, I was like, I really don't yeah. like the rest of everything else. Like I've got lots of other struggles with, with ADHD and all that stuff, but those are things that I've come to accept and really understand. This is one that I, this is one that I'm still learning. I'm still working on, you know, so.
1: Still working. Through, no, beautiful man. I appreciate it. And, and and it's real, man. I could feel it. and Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I appreciate being honest about it. I you know, someone who's, has spent time with you. I, I, I know your heart's in the right place. And I've, I, sure. I, I felt, I can tell you, God, you. I've, I've, I've spent, I've, uh, and I, and I appreciate you, brother. I do. And thank, thank, you. And thank, thank you for putting it out there for sure. Um, for sure,
0: for sure.
1: That was beautiful. Um, you know, so with that, you know, and, uh, you know, on that same point, you know, um, if people want to find you, if people found this conversation to be valuable, if people, said, wow, uh, Nathan's a cool guy. Maybe I'd I'd like to get a chance to get to know him some more time. How did they reach out to you? How did they get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, I mean, NathanSuds.com. That might not be easy to spell, but it's S-U-D-D-S. That that works. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook. All all of them, I have the same handle, basically. In the metaverse, my handle is NathanSudo, so S-U-D-O, so N-A-T-H-A-N. Sudo yeah. and uh, yeah, find me. Find me in any of those places. And I love coaching. Yeah, I love. I love talking to people, and I mean it. Like I will. I love a, a, like a, a powerful conversation with someone. No exchange of money needed. I I'll do that all day, any day. And um and and I, at the same time, like I feel like there's so many deep um, paths that we could go on. Just like this conversation today. You know, it's like we we went we went down a lot of different you know uh, rabbit holes, I guess, in different areas. But, like we could take any one of those and go like oh, even sure. deeper on e- each one of those topics and so that's what I identify a lot of times so yeah but yeah I love I, I love connecting with people find me on any any of the social media platforms I might not be so active in posting but I'm always there you know exploring and and learning and um, and uh yeah I mean that's that's I don't know what else to say that's that's good that, every sure, day yeah, handle I, also it, the same, it,
1: Sure. And, and and anywhere you'll see this podcast, you your name will be in the podcast. So it's just perfect. first name Nathan, last name suds dot com. And that's the best way to get a hold yep. of you. So perfect. Beautiful. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on, brother. It's thank been an you. absolute honor and pleasure. I enjoy rapping with you, you and I you look too. forward to uh, hanging out with you soon, brother. All right. Sounds I, good. Enjoy I, Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do. Have a blessed, beautiful day, brother. I'll see you on the other side. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye now. Take care.
0: Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.